Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, we are in a season of time where so much seems to be changing around us all the time. And it's important to have these moments where we come back to God's Word and look together at what He has to say to us. A lot of things are changing. So far, we really have no idea what these changes are doing to our lives or what they're going to look like. So it's important that we center, we ground ourselves with truths from God's Word. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter 2 today. We are looking at the book of Revelation, and in particular, we're looking at the first three chapters and some letters that are written there. Here's the backstory. There's a guy named John. He's referred to as St. John or John the Apostle. And he was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. In fact, many believe that he would have been Jesus' closest friend. And now he's in prison, if you will. He's in a place called Patmos. It's an island off the coast of Turkey in the Aegean Sea. It's a a place where he is in exile because of his faith in Jesus Christ. While he's there, Jesus appears to him. And when Jesus does appear to him, he has a message that he wants John to give by writing letters to seven of the most significant, prominent, kind of influential churches in that part of the world in that season of time. So get this, we've got a guy in isolation who gets a message from Jesus to give to a church in crisis. This sounds like something we should pay attention to right now. And so today we're gonna look at the second letter. This is a letter that Jesus gave John to be delivered to a church in a place called Smyrna. Here, let's let's get to the passage. Romans chapter 2, or excuse me, Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write. Now, we don't know where Smyrna is. That's, that's not necessarily a part of our world. So what can we tell about this city from 2,000 years ago? Well, Smyrna was one of the largest, most beautiful, and, and largest, most prominent cities in that part of the world in that season of time. It was a port city that was extremely wealthy during that time. And yet in that city, those who were believers in Jesus Christ were suffering. Go go back to the text, Romans chapter two, verse eight. To the angel of the city of the church in Smyrna, right? These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. See, that's so important because it tells us here that Jesus knew what they were going through. He knew what they were experiencing. He knew what was happening in their lives during that time. One of the things that he saw was their suffering. See, many of these believers were suffering because of their faith. They were living in a city in Smyrna that was one of the hubs of worship of the emperor. See, what was expected of everyone in the Roman Empire in that time is that they would worship, that they would give praise to the emperor, the the Roman king, the leader, if you will, that dictator, if you will. And what they would do is once a year, they were required to go into a temple of emperor worship. And there was a significant one right there in Smyrna. And they would go and they would take a pinch of incense once a year and they would throw it onto this altar and that would be the sacrifice that they would bring to worship the emperor. And they would say in that moment, Caesar is Lord. They would actually receive a certificate at that time that would say these words, we, the representatives of the emperor, have seen you sacrificing. But the Christians said, well, we we can't say that Caesar is Lord because we know that Jesus is Lord. 
And so they refused to take part in that worship of the emperor, for which reason they were being persecuted. They were suffering. Not only were they suffering, but Jesus speaks very clearly about their poverty. See, the truth is there, there may have been poverty in that part of the world for some believers anyways, but because of their faith, they were probably discriminated against. They, they may have had their businesses boycotted, or they may have lost their jobs because of their faith in Jesus Christ. So they're experiencing persecution and affliction. They're experiencing poverty and financial troubles, and they're being mistreated as well. It says that there were those who were slandering them and coming after them. They're, they're referred to as those from the synagogue of Satan. Now, that's not a, an anti-Semitic statement. This is not a condemnation of any ethnicity. It's saying that there were some people who were counterfeit Jews who were in the synagogue and were being used by Satan to be able to persecute and mistreat the believers. So there was a lot at stake there. And do you see the relationship? Like I can see a very real relationship between what the people in Smyrna were experiencing and what some of us are experiencing right now. Some of us are knowing suffering. We're concerned maybe about our health, maybe about the struggles that are happening in our lives. It's a difficult time for us. Some of us are experiencing financial crisis. I talked to friends this week who have had to lay people off. I, I talked to people who have been laid off or who have lost their jobs or have seen their compensation dramatically decreased in this season of time because of what's happening around us. What a difficult time for so many. There is suffering and there is financial loss and there's mistreatment that's happening as well. How is this fair? How are these things right? And can I tell you, part of the message that Jesus gives to this church in Smyrna, part of what he says in this time that's really important for us to know, Jesus knows what you are going through. Like, don't miss this. Right now in this season, Jesus knows what you are going through. He says, look, I am the first and the last. He said that in this passage. He says, I'm the first and the last. That means he sees the beginning and he sees the end. He knows what you're going through right now. And he knows that his word says he's going to make all this beautiful in its time. So you trust him in that. See, Jesus sees from the beginning to the end. And we can trust him in this time because he knows what's happening in your life. You can put your confidence in him. Jesus sees the beginning to the end. And the Bible also says in this passage of scripture that Jesus is the one who died and came to life again. Jesus is the one who died. The, the literal translation there is Jesus is the one who became a corpse and then came to life again. This is terribly significant because it tells us that Jesus is victorious over the great enemy of death. Jesus is victorious over the great enemy of death. Now, with that in mind, it's, it's really important because of the season that we're in and entering into. We're, we're moving into what we refer to in the church as Passion Week. It's a week that we look at and remember Jesus, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. In fact, next Friday, we'll have our Good Friday service. We do this every year at noon on Good Friday, and it's going to be a really special time together. I hope you'll block out that time at noon on Friday, not just for us to worship together during that time, but we're going to share in communion together. And you might go, how are we going to do that? Uh, by, by way of a streaming service. Like, like it's not like our hospitality team is able to come to all your houses and distribute the bread and the cup. 
See, what we will do is encourage you to gather those elements yourself. Now, maybe you're able to gather some, some juice and some bread to be able to join in that way. What's funny is, though, the Bible never says, hey, make sure you have this brand of juice or this kind of bread. In fact, the language that we get in 1 Corinthians 11 has a lot to do with a meal that's shared together. So in this time, you, you gather the elements that you can, something that represents a cup that reminds you of the shed blood of Jesus, something that represents the bread that, that helps us to remember his sacrifice. You gather those elements, and then during that service, we're going to spend time in communion together. Each day this week, we're, we're going to distribute a quick video, just kind of devotional thought, to help us to center our lives and remember what Jesus did for us. And then next Sunday is Easter Sunday. I heard somebody say, hey, Easter is canceled. Well, well look, Easter can't be canceled. It is something that, that happened in the past. It is still true that Jesus is alive. And whether we can be in the same building or not, we will still celebrate together the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I'm excited to have Easter literally come into your homes. I hope you will invite others to join you. And this remembrance of Christ's sacrifice, his death, his resurrection begins today with Palm Sunday. I don't know if you grew up in a church that, that maybe memorialized Palm Sunday in a, in a certain way or not, but it's an important part of our remembrance and celebration. Let's go to what the Apostle John said about it. Now, you remember we're in Revelation chapter 2. That's the letter to the church in Smyrna. And it's being written by John, who was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He also wrote the Gospel of John, and that tells the story of Jesus. And so in John chapter 12, John writes for us a story of what happened on that first Palm Sunday. We read this, John chapter 12, verse 12. The next day... The great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Well, we're not going to take the time to go into all the theological significance of Palm Sunday. What, what really was happening here? is that the people were recognizing Jesus as a king. When they shouted Hosanna, they were saying, come and save us, rescue us from the oppression and the, the, the rulers that we have and bring us freedom, bring us hope, bring us life. And part of what they did during that time is they would take these branches off of a date palm tree and they would wave them. The, the branches of the palm tree were a significant sign of their national heritage. They were a significant sign of freedom and liberation and of life. And so when they waved these palm branches, they were saying that this was a celebration of the one that they saw as messianic, the, the one that they saw as their king. Now, look, I, I don't know if you came from a, a church heritage or background where on Palm Sunday they would distribute palms for everybody to, to wave and to celebrate and remember. I, I came from a heritage like that and kind of an important tradition at times for us to be centered and remember what this story is all about. I, I read a story about a little, little guy named Johnny. He's five years old. And on Palm Sunday, he couldn't go to church with, the, with his family because he had a head cold. And so his family said, Johnny, you, you, you need to stay home and rest. So grandma's going to come and stay with you while we all go to church. Well, when they came home from church, they all had these palm branches. And Johnny said, why do you have these palm branches? And the dad said, well, people held them and waved them over Jesus as he passed by. And Johnny said, you got to be kidding me. 
the one week that I don't go to church and he shows up. Now look, Jesus wasn't there in, in a physical presence in that church that day. But Johnny's frustration made me laugh. And also it's important to know that sometimes when you're in the middle of something, frustration can come. Disappointment can come. Things that you don't really understand. When I was reading this story again from John's perspective uh, about Palm Sunday, there was something that just stood out to me. Now remember, here's the story. Jesus comes into Jerusalem. There are all these people who come along. They're waving palm branches. They're shouting Hosanna. They're saying, this is our king. And then we read this. John chapter 12, verse 16. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. When I, when I read this passage, there was something that really stood out to me. It said at first, his disciples did not understand all this. They didn't get it. They didn't know what was going on. Only after. Think of those two words. Only after. Like that part just jumped out to me when I read it. See, at first they didn't understand, but it was only after that it started to make sense to them. And I thought, man, how many of us feel that way right now? Like that we're living our lives in a certain way right now. We're experiencing things right now where we just go, I just don't understand this. And the reality is there will be times where there's things that we do not understand. And it's only after, only after it's over, only after Jesus does his work, only after we see the resurrection, that we truly understand what has happened and what has taken place. See, some things are only understood, only after you've experienced them. Like you've been through some things in your life, whether you call it seasons or a tough time or maybe your, your, your schooling, there were these things that you went through in the moment and you did not understand how important they would be in your life. You only understood them only after you got on the other side of that. And look, I believe we're in a season like that right now. All the changes, they're coming way too fast. And the quarantine is moving way too slow. We can be disoriented. We can be uncertain. We can be, be unsure of what's ahead. Some of us are probably even afraid in this time. There's so many things that we can't control. We feel limited in so many ways. We're fighting an invisible enemy that has robbed us of much of our everyday joys in so many ways. And we're going, there's so much here I just do not understand. And the reality is some things will not make sense until only after. Some things will, will be unclear to us. Some things will not make sense until only after we get on the other side of them. See, this is what Jesus' message is to the church in Smyrna. But like, let's fast forward. Let's go from what John wrote about Jesus on the streets of Jerusalem, and let's fast forward 60 years later to John on the Isle of Patmos. John in exile, and he's a guy in isolation who gets a message from Jesus for a church in Smyrna that's going through crisis. And what Jesus says to them is some things will only make sense only after. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, look at what Jesus says to them. <clears throat> Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, 
And I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Look, as we read those verses, I see some principles that are there that can help us as we're in this season. If you're feeling like you're in a season that you do not understand, or if you're wishing that this season would speed up and end, or if you're struggling in this time in your life, please know that you're right in the same place as the church in Smyrna. So what do we do? Because we believe that it'll make sense only after we get on the other side. But what do you do while you're waiting? Well, this passage tells us how to wait for only after. If you're waiting to, to understand what you'll only see after, then how do you wait for that? Let me give you four things how to wait for only after. Here's the first one. Number one, and these are straight from the words that Jesus gives the church in Smyrna. Number one, quarantine fear. My encouragement to you is that you would find a way to quarantine fear in your life. It's the first thing Jesus says in verse 10. And you see this over and over again in scripture. When people encounter God, what does God say to them? He says, do not be afraid. Fear not. Be strong and courageous. See, we hear that over and over again in scripture because we need to hear it over and over again. How many things in our lives come knocking on our doors and challenge us to be afraid or to be fearful or to doubt or to question things? See, the first step in waiting for only after, in waiting for what won't make sense until only after we get on the other side, the first step is to quarantine fear. Because if you do not Fear is infectious. It will come. And we have to find a way to say, God, how do I separate myself from this? Last night I was trading some messages with a friend and he works in the financial world. So like right now, his whole world is upside down with, with requests and with the CARES Act and SBA loans and all these different things. And he is just scrambling because of what's happening in the world right now. And in the midst of this, I thought I'm going to reach out to him and try to encourage him. Instead, he, he encourages me and he says to me, look, here's the scripture that I'm holding on to in this time. Philippians chapter four, verse six, that says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Look, if you let fear go unchecked in your life, it will infect you. You have to find a way to quarantine it. And what my friend said was that he's using this passage of scripture in his life right now to kind of put fear in a place where it's not going to infect him in this season, to help to distance himself from fear. For some of you, this passage, Philippians chapter 4, 6, and 7, you need to put this thing on speed dial in your mind so that you can come back to and say, look, do not be anxious about anything, but with prayer and petition, as you take your requests to God, I love this part. There is a peace of God which transcends all understanding. It goes beyond what we can comprehend. And God can bring that peace to our lives and help us in those seasons. We need to learn how do we limit our exposure to the things that might bring us fear, that might infect us. You have to say, God, build me up with courage. It's not that we don't become fearful. It's not that we don't face things on a daily basis that could inspire fear, but that we come back again and again and say, God, I put my trust in you. It's memorizing scripture. It's reading God's word. It's listening to worship music. It's having encouraging people in our lives that we can speak words to. Here's at the heart of the message. If, if you miss everything else that Jesus says here, here's what's at the heart of the message. Do not let today's fear rob you of tomorrow's promise. 
Look, do not let today's fear rob you of tomorrow's promise. There is a promise from the Lord that you can hold on to. It, it makes me think of those times when, when my kids were little or maybe when you were young, you're going on vacation and it's that long drive, hours long, and the whole time you're going, this is terrible. I'm stuck in the back of this car. And you keep asking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And at some point you have to come to terms with this difficult journey is going to take me someplace where I really want to be. And I'm holding out for that place. I cannot let the journey I'm on rob me of the joy of the place that I'm going. Don't let today's fears rob you of the promises that God has for you tomorrow. First thing to consider while you're waiting for only after, number one, quarantine fear. Number two, based on what Jesus says here, and, and this is just a reminder. Number two, reminder, you are going to make it. Number two, reminder, you are going to make it. Like, like you heard me say this last week. You'll probably hear me say it again, in part because I think we need to hear it, but in part because this is the message of the book of Revelation. Look, right now, some of us need to know that even though so many things are upside down, we can trust God. He's going to help us. Look, you are going to make it because things aren't normal right now. They're not, they're not the, the usual way we do things. And you know who's noticing that? Our pets. Like for those of you that are working from home, you probably know that, that there's something that's not quite right with your dog or your cat. They're trying to figure it all out. Samson, my dog, is like, what are you doing here so much? Our, our cats are getting more and more needy because we're around more. And we're seeing this not just in our own lives, but I've heard this from a bunch of friends. Saw some pictures online. Take, take a look at some of these pictures of what's happening to people. The cat that plants itself on the laptop. Anybody, anybody seen this? Or maybe the dog that becomes a lap dog that isn't. This picture where the cat's jumping in on the FaceTime or the Zoom call. Anybody had that experience? I know I have a couple of times. This cat that just kind of gets in there trying to work from home. This one's my favorite. If you watch, start up here at the shoes and work your way up to the legs. And if you notice, there's, that's, that's not a person. These people decided our cat might leave us alone if we make a lap for it to sit in. And that's how they work from home. They created this this fake lap for their cat, which actually isn't that bad of an idea because everything's upside down right now. Our lives are not the way that we may have remembered them. So the reminder you need is that you're gonna make it. See, probably when I said we were gonna look at the book of Revelation, you thought about tribulation or bowls or scrolls or plagues. You, you thought about dragons and a lake of fire and an antichrist. And although those are all part of the story that's in this book, that is not at its heart what this book is about. What this book is about is that Jesus gave a message to a church 2,000 years ago and said, look, you're about to face some hard times, but I want you to know that at the end, there's a plan. I'm working something out. The message of the book of Revelation is this. Things may get worse before they get better. Things may get worse before they get better. Like every one of these letters includes this phrase that says to the one who is victorious, well, if you need to be victorious, it means you're going to face a challenge. It means there's something you need victory over. There's a battle ahead. He says, things may get worse before they get better, but know this, Jesus says it over and over and over and over and over again in this book, you are going to make it. There's something on the other side of this. Don't give up 
Don't lose hope. Don't give in. It may be tough right now, but you are going to make it. So he says this, if you're waiting for only after, first, make sure if you're waiting for only after that you quarantine fear. Then here's a reminder, number two, you are going to make it. Let's go to the third thing, number three that we see in this passage. While you're waiting for what, what you, you'll know only after, number three, stay faithful. Number three, stay faithful. See, this is huge because Jesus says to them there in verses 10 and 11, I need you to be faithful during this. What's that mean, faithful? Well, for one, I, th I think when we think of faithfulness, we think of keeping our commitments to others. And that's so critically important. Uh, we, we yesterday were able to recognize that my mother-in-law and father-in-law, Ron and Alexa Boyd, celebrated yesterday their 50th anniversary which that's no small feat in our world. And so just kind of a shout out and congratulations to, to my family and just want to say how, how special that is, how thankful we are for you. And that's, that's one idea of faithfulness. But faithfulness even goes beyond that. It's where you and I just say we, we do the things that are right. We do the things where we honor Jesus, where we put our trust and our confidence in Him. And can I tell you, friends, there is something powerful about faithfulness. As I've been reading things these last couple of weeks, not just from Christian or religious sources, just in our news, it's saying that so for so many of us, we're tempted to give up in ways during this time. The addictions that are on the rise, the relationship struggles that are on the rise, the people that are, that are hopeless or depressed in this season. It's such a difficult time for so many of us. And can I challenge you, especially those of you that, that put your hope in Jesus Christ, stay faithful. Here, here's what scripture tells us, Psalm 31 verse 23. Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong, and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Look, some of you right now, strength is what you need. You can find that strength when you anchor yourself to Jesus Christ. When you step into your day and say, God, I need your strength. Jesus, I need you to help me. What does the Bible tell us? That those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. That I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And can I tell you this? It's right here in that passage in Psalm 31. There is a direct connection between faithfulness to God and favor from God. There is a direct connection you can find between faithfulness to God and favor from God. Not just blessing, but God's favor that comes. And so in this moment, if you need strength from Him, would you just say, even right where you are now, maybe even you, 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 you put yourself in a posture of openness like this and say, God, I need your strength as I stay faithful and committed to you. The city of Smyrna is where this letter was written to. 60 years later, after this letter was written, the Bishop of Smyrna was someone who actually had been a, a disciple of John the Apostles. His name was Polycarp. And when he was 86 years old, he was convicted of, of being a traitor because of his, his, his belief in Jesus Christ, and he was sentenced to be burned alive. And history records that as Polycarp was being burned alive, he said this, 86 years have I served Christ, and he has never done me wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? 
Put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ. He'll be with you. He'll walk through those seasons with you. My encouragement to you as you're waiting for what you cannot understand until only after is stay faithful. And then number four, last thing, stay focused. Number four, stay focused. Well, stay focused on what, Chad? Stay focused on the fact that some things will only make sense only after. There's things you're not going to understand until we get on the other side of this. So we need to stay focused on what really matters. We need to keep the end in mind. It's been interesting if, you, if you've watched any of the news or if you've seen any of the, the conferences that the governor does every afternoon. Usually Dr. Acton will have those charts and we'll see the curves that we're looking at. We'll see the model as we go out. And the idea is we have to respond today because we've got the future in mind. Well, that's a biblical principle to stay focused, not just on what's happening today, but there's something happening that we might not even understand right now. We're, we're going to understand it only after we get on the other side. Here's what scripture says to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Did you get this? So many times we focus, we fix our eyes on what is seen, but what is seen is only temporary. We need to focus on what is unseen, these eternal things, the things that last forever. Friends, stay focused on the things that really matter because it's easy to go, I've lost control. I can't figure this out. This isn't making sense. I don't like where I am. All these things can happen to us in this season. And my encouragement to you, stay focused. Keep your mind on where things are that matter. Focus on the eternal. It is what will last only after. Focus on the eternal because it is what will last only after we get on the other side of these things. I guess a reminder of all of this came to me. I, I was thinking about some lessons that I learned about a month ago that are helping me to get some focus in this time. March 8th, I was in the nation of Israel with a group of about 20 people from Calvary. We had started our, our tour. We'd been there for a few days and we were, we were traveling some different sites. And about two or three days in, I noticed that there was something wrong with my ankle. Like it was starting to swell. It was getting red. It was getting like real warm to the touch. I was concerned about several different things and, and realized, man, I better do something about this. And so what I found is, is late, about nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, I found myself in the emergency department, the emergency room of an Israeli hospital. It was a really interesting experience because I didn't speak the language. Very, very few things that were happening around me were in English. And during that time, it was right at the height of when concerns about coronavirus were starting to spread globally. And in the midst of that, they, they made me, and here's a, here's a selfie that I took during that time, they made me put this mask on. And I was the only person in the ER that had to wear a mask. And every so often, one of, one of the medical team would come over and just push down on my nose to make sure that that mask was sealed just tight enough as they wanted it. It was a strange experience to be an outsider, to be an outcast, to be in a place that I did not want to be. 
ended up spending about six hours in that hospital that night waiting and going through tests and all that. Come to find out I had some kind of a, an infection under the skin from a scratch or a bug bite or something that had gotten infected. They were able to give me an antibiotic and, and everything's fine, I'm all good in that. But that lesson that I walked through, that time of waiting and not being told what was going on. In fact, at one point they, they pushed me in a wheelchair further down the hallway in this hospital and eventually just left me in this empty hallway and said, sit here and wait. And I sat there in that hallway all by myself for about 20 minutes or so, just not knowing what was going on or what was going to happen next, hooked up to an IV, wondering, is this thing ever going to end? They eventually wheeled me back to the emergency room area as there was a trauma that had come in and people were running around and moving past as I'm in this waiting space, going behind this curtain. And, and I know that there's something happening, but they're ignoring me. There's all this crisis that's there, but I want to get out of there. I think I'm done. I, I don't know what to do. I'm out of control. I'm, I'm hooked up to a tube. My, my, my freedom is limited. And in that moment, I was getting frustrated. I was getting disappointed. I was getting frightened. You have all these emotions that come. And in that moment, I had to say, Jesus, I just have to trust you. Like, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what lessons I'm learning. I, I don't know physically what's even happening with my body. I just know this probably won't make sense until only after on the other side of this. So Jesus, right now I have to trust you. And that experience that I had in that ER that night reminds me of where you and I are right now in our lives. A moment that we have to come to and say, Jesus, I may not understand what's going on, and I don't know what's happening in my life. And I don't have answers to all these things. But I'm going to quarantine fear because your word says that I'm going to make it. So I'm going to stay faithful to you and stay focused on what truly matters until we get on the other side. Because only after will we see how great your plan was and how you worked all this out in our lives. In fact, see, in this moment, I want to pray for some of you and pray with some of you. Because you not only need encouragement and strength today, what you need today is to take a step of faith toward Jesus Christ and to say to him, Jesus, I, I give my life to you. See, the Bible says that Jesus came to be our savior. That means he's the one who can forgive our sins. And that Jesus came to be our Lord. He's the one that can give our lives purpose and meaning. For some of you, you, you've wrestled with guilt and shame or you've wondered if your life even matters. And when you come to him and say, Jesus, as my savior and as my Lord, I give my life to you. I can tell you personally in my own life and from, from hundreds of others that I know, that decision makes all the difference. So can I ask you to do this with me? As you're watching this, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And if you know Jesus as your savior and as your Lord, or if today you would say to him, Jesus, I give you my life, would you pray this prayer out loud with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus, for sending your Son to die for my sin. I ask that you would forgive my sin and be my Savior. I give my life to you, my risen Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I'll, I'll tell you, it is the most important thing that you can ever do. We'd love to help you in this journey of knowing Jesus better. If you go out to our website at toledocalvary.org, as you go to the main page up at the, the top, there, there's some, some links to navigate. And there's one that just says Jesus. 
you click on that link, it'll take you to a page and tell you more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We have a resource that we'd love to send to you and partner with you in this season as you learn more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. As we conclude this service, I, I want to pray for you. In just a moment, we're going to listen to a song that talks about how we can hold on to God's promises in these seasons of, of uncertainty and, and that we can trust in Him and knowing that He is faithful in our lives. Some of you need that encouragement today. Some of you need strength from Him. You need His help to walk through this season. And I want to pray for you today. Father, we love you. God, I thank you that your word knows just how to speak to us. Jesus, that you know that in our suffering or in our, our, our financial need or in the, the questions of what's going on in the world, God, that we can put our trust and our confidence in you, that you are the one that we look to and we can know that you can help us to quarantine fear in our lives. Lord, that you've reminded us that you're with us every step of the way. We're going to make it. So we stay faithful to you. We stay focused on what is eternal and believe God that someday what we do not know today, we will understand only after we get on the other side and see Lord, how you've worked this out in our lives. So Lord, we trust you. We pray for strength. We pray for peace. We pray for your guidance. I pray for those watching today, Lord, that as we hold on to your promises, that you would bless us with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Father of kindness, you have poured out grace. You brought me out of darkness. You have filled me. Every curse, bless and redeemer, you 
promises and I will rest in your promises my confidence is your faithfulness I will rest in your promises my confidence I found in you is your faithfulness say I will rest in your promises my confidence is your faithfulness I will 